0: welcome to when there are no words conversations between artists about grief and hope in their work this series is sponsored by 10 of those resources that point to jesus change lives to support the podcast get ad-free listening bonus episodes and other gifts join us on acast plus for as little as five pounds a month Hello, welcome to episode six of When There Are No Words. And um, today I'm chatting with my friend Sophie Killingly. And um, we chat about grief and loss in relation to church trauma. And this is something um, that is being talked about a lot at the moment with um, various things in the news and various investigations going on. Um, and so hope it will be helpful to those who have experienced uh, church trauma for themselves or if you know somebody who has and um, so we do chat about how to help other people grieve well um, in regards to this kind of uh, loss Um, and sophie chats about how she used art to help her grieve um, and lots of really helpful uh, insights into the process of grief um, and, uh, and the role of art uh, in, in expressing that and um, almost completing it in a way uh, but I'll let Sophie say more about that we do chat about pieces of art that uh, Sophie has created so it's worth listening to this not when you're in a car uh, where you can have a look at the pieces of art we do describe them Um, but it's better if you can see them so there's links in the show notes for you to actually have a look at the pieces of art that we chat about and there's also a spoken word piece Uh, stay tuned to the middle of the episode where um, we're going to have another discount that you can get from 10 of those and to the very end of the episode for this week's uh, giveaway Um, so do get involved in that it's a great way of supporting the show as well by um, sharing it with other people and do remember that you can become a supporter of the show, a monthly supporter, which will help us make more episodes. We've got lots more people I'd love to chat with, um, but we do need support to be able to keep doing it. So please consider that. Right. Uh, enough of me. Um, over to other me chatting to Sophie. So with me today is Sophie Killingly. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, for those who haven't come across you um could you take a moment just to tell us a little bit about yourself um and particularly your artistic work
1: okay sure um so i'm sophie killingly i'm a freelance artist uh, based in surrey um i live with my husband of nearly 18 years this august um two children who are 15 and 12 uh who are both on the autism spectrum and our cat Major Tom, um, we were in pastor <laughs> we were in pastoral ministry for ten years. Uh, that recently ended, and I have been yeah I've been an artist practicing for about eight years I'd say probably, probably nearer ten but um, yeah I have a book out currently which is like a spiritual journal. So it's kind of, I'm very interested in trying to help people connect their spiritual life and their kind of creative lives, I think, just trying to help people be a bit more holistic in general. Um, mm. I always found growing up that um, I kind of almost like shut my brain off when it was time for like my quiet time. It was like, well, here's me over here doing all my creative stuff and creative problem solving mm. and enjoying this. And now it's time for quiet time. So it's like... We approach the Lord without our personalities intact. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So it was only as an adult that I, uh, through a period of mental health, uh, bad mental health, I started um, doodling because I couldn't read the Bible very well. And so I started doodling scripture and stuff and then started realising, oh, well, actually, this is really helpful. Um, And then just kept on having a pad and pen always at my side when I was, Trying to speak to God. And I just felt, oh, actually, this is connecting the whole of me to God. So I'm very interested in that. And I do a lot of artwork which is text based. It kind of started off more scriptural based, but as I've gone on, I've kind of lent, I've been leaning more into the kind of more my taste, which is kind of absurdist and a little bit peculiar at times. (laughs) But I really like to find the absurd moments of life because life is very strange (laughs) it's just very peculiar and so and a lot of what we Christians can do at times is very peculiar too when you kind of stand back and look at it so yeah I always say that I take God seriously but the rest of us Christians not at all
0: (laughs) that's interesting and uh, does that does that help you I guess when going through more difficult times just say, just seeing the lighter side. I don't know if this is a very British thing, because that is something we do mm. a lot of, isn't it?
1: Looking Absolutely, on the yeah. side of life. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I've got a very naturally dark humour anyway. I find dark comedy hysterical. Um, that's my family's kind of humour, and it's very much my daughter's humour now that she's 15. We've actually started watching various hilarious sitcoms together now that she's old enough and a bit of Monty Python as well um, and it's Good. really lovely to see that develop in her too so yeah I definitely like to find some of the kind of absurd parts um, so yeah some of the artwork I've created in the last year has definitely leaned into that I'm a big fan of um, an artist called David Shrigley he was largely a text-based artist but he kind of it's all quite naive-looking art. Um, and it's kind of, when you read it at face value, whenever he just writes big letter, big words down, it mm. just kind of makes you laugh. It looks like a child's done it. But then, actually, when you kind of start to kind of peel back the layers, you actually realise, oh, actually, that's a really profound thing to say. Um, so, I, mm. yeah, I really like to kind of try and kind of get into that kind of place where you both laugh, but also makes you think
0: <laughs> yes excellent it's the best kind um i i particularly wanted to have you on the podcast um to explore some of the other aspects of grief that perhaps mm. don't normally spring to mind as uh, as what we might call grief um mm-hmm. in fact the other day somebody asked me if my album is is just about uh the grief of death or does it speak to to other griefs as well and and of course i wrote it against the backdrop of death but mm. but even as i was writing it and i think early on i shared a song with you um mm. because of the situation you were going through and and realizing that grief that well all loss is is grief that we mm. we suffer grief um as a result of it um, um but we perhaps don't always name it as grief mm. now there's a there's a grief that we've both experienced um uh, similar grief uh, but in slight possibly slightly different ways um in a place that probably shouldn't be causing grief um and that's the church so i wondered if you would be willing to share a little bit of your own story um and then we'll mm. talk some about some of the art that's come about as a result of that
1: yeah absolutely yeah you're right that all kind of grief is to do with loss and feelings of loss And that's very much what my husband and I found ourselves in, in this past year. Like I said, we've been in pastoral ministry for 10 years. He was eight years pastor at a particular church. Um, And that came to quite an abrupt end last year. Um, And the situation was just very unjust. It was really painful. Um, It felt very unfair, unjust. Um, We didn't feel very heard. Uh, It was very confusing for the congregation. Um, And it, yeah, it was shocking to see people that we had trusted betray us, essentially. Uh, It Mm. was deeply painful. And so in the space of a few weeks, we kind of had planned to be in ministry at this place for 15 to 20 years. That was our plan. Um, and we went from that in our future to being that we're going to have to leave this church. We have lost our church community Mm. through painful circumstances. We've lost friendships, and we're also losing our house that we've lived in because it was attached to the job, and that's where my children have grown up. Um, Mm. And, yeah, it was just loss after loss, and going from being a very involved pastor and his wife um constantly interacting with our community, um serving them. It kind of just went completely silent. Um mm. and again a lot of people I don't blame them for that because a lot of people don't know what to do. Um mm. uh, they don't know how to respond. They don't know what to do when things are being said. So they just go quiet. um. But it felt like such a loss. It felt like a divorce, like a death. It wasn't something we chose. We very much were felt forced out. um. And it was deeply grieving. And we, we both of us said, this is like grief. This is like we both felt that we were going through like the five stages of grief, you know, where we'd have these moments where we'd we'd be bargaining almost like. What can we do, God, to make this work out? What what can we kind of, you know, give up, compromise here? And it's just, okay, that didn't work, I okay, so no, this can't be happening. Let's just, no, uh, denial, just all of these things. Uh, and it was just, and there's so much anger. Like, I can't believe this is being, this is happening to us as a family. Um, this is so out mm-hmm. of the blue. Um, yeah, so the kind of, yeah get to that place of acceptance and you still I still feel like we're cycling around it even though we're far removed from that situation now and in a a new house and have my husband has a different job and but it's just been an extremely painful time at the deepest Mm. kind of level I think especially Mm. because it's it's connected with you know your spiritual life and your spiritual community and that is your family you know this is you know the bride of Christ this is who you want to hold with and be with. Um, And so to kind of feel that kind of rupture, it was so difficult. And then mm. even trying to kind of go to a new church just as regular people, I found that I literally just cried every Sunday for the first three or four months just because everything just felt so raw. And we'd be hearing sermons about you know, church as family and my kids would just be looking at me and crying. And I was like, I uh, know, I don't know what to say. Church mm. is supposed to be family and that's not what we've experienced right now and it feels confusing and I don't know how to kind of we hear these truths about God, about how He is loving and how He wants the best for us, but right now our life feels in tatters and we don't know there's nothing I think no easy answer. So mm, it was mm. deep grief, yeah, just yeah. a sense of loss.
0: Oh. Well, and you can just you can just see the similarities with death. Death <laughs> removes relationships. It breaks and severs relationships. And mm. and sadly, we experience those deaths of relationships while people are still alive as well. Mm. um And and I guess in some ways, that's even more. You know, we. We know death will come unless Jesus returns. Mm. We know death will come to relationships at some point in terms of actual death, but when mm. those relationships are severed and people are still alive it's it's kind mm. of i don't know there's another depth to that that's that's wrong and
1: but yeah um, absolutely
0: yeah and 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 how you speak to the the continuance of that grief as well that's that's something I've been reflecting on in terms of. Getting mm. physical deaths, that, and this whole oh you should, people should get over it, um whereas <laughs> until until the person is restored, that mm. loss is still there, and so no, yeah, on Earth, God willing, of you. yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 God willing, by His grace, there can be restoration of those severed relationships on Earth, mm. not always, and. Mm. And because of his grace, there will be a restoration of those relationships with people who have died. Mm. But until that point, there is still loss. And so there's still grieving to be done. And it changes in its rawness and severity, perhaps. But there will surely always be an element of that grief. And and that, that testifies to the strength of love that there was in the first place.
1: Right. If there wasn't Absolutely. any
0: love, it wouldn't hurt um that's why it so matters this... so
1: much mm. you know yeah. that's why because it, cause it mm. meant so much we we gave our everything and, and sacrificed much and loved much mm. and so mm. the wounds feel deep because of that
2: mm.
0: How? what do you feel is the importance of naming these kind of things as grief is, is it is important to mm. give them that label um and I guess also, how can we, if it, if it is important to name them mm. such, how can we be helping each other grieve mm. well in these situations?
1: Mm, great question. I think it's so important to be able to name what is happening to you, because I think for one, I think it helps you to frame things in the right way to understand it gives a level of understanding of what is happening Um because otherwise we can just be so bowled over by the strength of emotion mm. if you have some kind of framework to kind of understand oh actually what I'm feeling is actually I'm very angry and I'm very sad but it's because it's grief at the bottom of that is loss Um and so I think sometimes we can Feel quite afraid of our emotions and I understand that because sometimes they are so powerful it feels unsettling and there were times last summer when the the strength of emotion I was feeling it felt almost suffocating like I don't know what to do with this it feels frightening um but to be able to acknowledge just to be able to acknowledge these emotions and be like I feel very angry or I feel very sad that lies underneath the anger um and just to be able to kind of not try and think, oh, Christians shouldn't be angry, or, or something like that. That's the kind of thing you hear yeah. at times. It's just to kind of sit in that and go, actually, no, I'm. This is exactly how I'm feeling right now. Um, and sometimes anger is the exact right um the response to the kind of severance of relationships you've experienced. You know, it's right to be angry mm-hmm. at separation, at loss, at death, at division. Mm-hmm you know, it's right to be angry and we don't need to fear that and to also understand sometimes what's behind these emotions and it's, you know, anger because we're also, there was there was deep love and then mm. deep loss. So I think it helps to be able to frame it. Um mm. And I was also thinking there's a, a C.S. Lewis quote which what he talks about, um, see if I can get it up, he talks about the need to speak out things when we praise them and that when we praise something it's it feels incomplete until we've spoken it um
2: hmm.
1: yeah he says i think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment it's uh, it is its po- appointed consummation so it's not just out of compliments that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are the delight is incomplete until it's expressed and i wonder if the same is possibly true for grief that it's not just enough to feel it but actually to kind of complete it you have to express it and that's really help allow the emotion yeah to kind of come out and take its place
0: yeah so yeah oh wow that's i think that's very true the way that you worked out a lot of that struggle um, was through making art. Um, in fact, you said to me, creating art stopped me feeling like I would implode or explode from the weight of it. Uh, before we get into some specific pieces of art that you made, um, could you just tell us a little bit more about the the process of that? Did you approach it with a particular aim in mind, a particular audience, or was it just a, I've got to get something out here? Um, yeah
1: Mm. I think in the first days weeks months of experiencing these kind of emotions of grief and loss it was just a matter of I have to externalize this emotion somehow Um, in therapy there's they talk of the ability to externalize emotion rather than keeping it bottled up because if we keep it in and bottled up or try and suppress it 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 will generally pop out in other ways whether that is the Um, yeah in unhelpful angry Mm. outbursts or even like chronic illness the body contains inflammation when we hold on to really intense emotions Um, and so I wanted to just try I felt like I was going to implode so I just approached it with I don't know what to do and I feel like I'm going to just scream into a pillow and I did that too to be fair (laughs) but it was (laughs) I just grabbed loads of paint and took canvases outside and I felt like they were almost just angry prayers I felt like my brushstrokes were prayers because I felt so almost just consumed by just sadness and anger and disbelief I couldn't even I couldn't even articulate it because you know you can't intellectualize grief when you're in it it's just a complete tsunami So I just had to just start making marks and see what happened. Um, You know, and some of that came out in kind of humorous stuff, my usual dark humor. And then some of it came out in a lot more kind of uh, abstract, kind of expressionist pieces, which were just, yeah, and a kind of a representation of, like, the depth Mm. of emotion, I felt. Mm. Um, And I think it was after, you know, some months of doing that... um, That maybe I was able to start to think a little bit about it and maybe think about how to communicate the depth of kind of grief and emotion to maybe help others feel not alone in their emotion. But in the moment, it was just all about expressing just because I needed to do something or just completely lose my mind.
0: Mm. Okay, so this is going to be a slightly strange one for a podcast, um, but we're going to talk about some of the works that you've created and links to the images will be in the show notes. So it might be worth listening to this part of the conversation with pictures in hand. Listeners, don't do it while you're driving. Um, the The first piece I wanted to talk about is, is probably literally the darkest um, in that it is mostly black. Well, with blues and greys um, but there is a lot of black and you've called it the cold cold face of love um, but there's a dash of red um, almost mm. glowing uh, from part of the picture I uh, could you do a better description of it than I just done and um, tell us a little bit about what's behind that one
1: yeah absolutely it is kind of like a glowing red because it is almost like the intense kind of embers of uh, it's kind of like a glowing ember in the blackness of, like charred remains almost. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I I painted that one. That was after um, that was after actually a specific grief involving death of a loved one as well. Okay. So I was both feeling the the grief of my situation, um, and then there was also the death of a love a lovely family friend and so i painted that one because a friend had once said to me during pastoral work i was going to visit somebody um and it was again to do with a tragic death and i felt i felt the heavy weight of it um but i was determined i needed to be there to support these people and i i had messaged my friend he was separate from this saying i'm feeling quite heavy and apprehensive about i'm going to be giving out a lot today and it's going to be really painful this is a big day Mm. and she said but that is the coal face of love she was like you're right there in the fire Mm. with these people and she was just like and that is true love to be able to be in this burning place with them And so Mm. that kind of came to mind as I was dealing with the grief of, yeah, the death of a loved one and my own sense of loss. So, yeah, it was very much a kind of almost, I was like, how can I draw something which looks like charcoal, almost like, Mm. but it has still some burning elements in it. Um, Mm. And that represents the kind of idea of like this grief and like brokenness but also this glowing ember that's showing that this is why it hurts so much mm. this is true love
0: and you've somehow so, I, I yeah. don't know I'm I'm not a painter but somehow you have captured the the glowing ember I mean it's a still picture mm-hmm. and yet it feels like it's glowing mm-hmm. um, yes. I, this is something that's Absolutely. come up in the uh, this is something that's come up in the podcast a, a, a number of times and, and People might have come to the podcast going, surely this is just going to be a depressing podcast. It's about grief, right? <laughs> um, but what keeps yeah. coming out is hope, and and the, and that's mm. the beauty of the gospel, um, right? And 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 that we're actually the danger is that sometimes Christians almost deny the darkness and deny the mm. uh, the struggle of of life and go, no, but everything's awesome, right? Um, whereas actually it's not, but that doesn't mean we need to then be morose and everything's dark because actually there's hope Mm -hmm. and there is light in the darkness. And that is the gospel. Jesus Mm. coming into the world. The incarnation is a light coming into the world. That's how John describes it. Yeah. And the darkness has not overcome it, um, which is, which is just so brilliant. And that, that, that pictures it right now. There is a lot of darkness one day. There won't be, Mm the night will be gone yes but right now there is darkness but there is hope and the darkness will not overcome it um amen i think you've described that i
1: think that's why christians we don't need to fear the big emotions of grief because even you know we don't we don't have to kind of rush ourselves through the process we don't have to be like we don't have to quantify and clarify everything um, when we're saying, I'm so sad, I'm so grieving. Oh, but I do trust God, don't worry. <laughs> yes. yeah, sometimes we feel the need to just kind of throw that in there, like we're being a bad Christian. I'm like, we don't need to. It's okay just to mm. sit. You know, some of the Psalms, you know, are just majority darkness in them, you know, and there might be mm. a bit of hope at the end, or one of them doesn't. Um mm. And so it's okay, But I think it's also all right to kind of excavate into the depth of feeling because we don't have to repress it because we know as Christians that ultimately, 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 when we get through, there is that hope. There is that resurrection life. So we don't have to worry that going into the darkness means we're going to go into an abyss that will never end. Mm. You know, we can keep digging. And so we don't need to fear that place of darkness and grief because that Mm. is not the end it feels like Mm. it but we know Mm. that you know we just keep going into that and trusting that it isn't the end Mm. so i think you know Mm. we we of all people should be willing to really face our grief and our sorrows and like totally just be like no i've got to face this this is exactly what's Mm. happening now
0: yeah and it's and it is that that that's why we need a savior and we need a redeemer. Um, right. Job cries out, "I know that my redeemer lives." In all of the mm. devastation around him, he's but I know my redeemer lives, and it and actually mm. diving in, in a sense, diving into that grief and that struggle and the darkness leads us to say, oh, "I need a savior," and there is a savior, um, and clinging on mm. to him even more tightly.
1: I think sometimes we just do ourselves a disservice by getting too uncomfortable and pulling away from difficult emotions you know I feel like too many of us as Christians are just too afraid of those emotions and then we end up in this kind of weird emotionally stunted kind of wasteland where we're too afraid to actually feel the feelings because we feel at some level we shouldn't we should be feeling better about this or we should be this. And so we kind of end up in this strange place where we're actually, all this emotion's inside, but we're just kind of keeping a lid on it and almost pretending to ourselves. And I think, you know, that does us a great disservice because in the end, it will come out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Editor Michael here. Sorry, a little interruption. Um, Of course, if you don't want interruptions to the episodes, um, and why would you want an interruption you can, of course, become a monthly supporter and you'll get access to ad-free versions of the podcast. And you can use the discounts and the competitions as well anyway. So win-win. Anyway, uh, this week's uh, discount code that you can get is for Sophie's book. So she's already mentioned that. It's called Draw Near. And you can get 30% off courtesy of our friends at 10 of those. If you go along to the 10 of those website... Um, find the book, pop it in your basket, then use the discount code No Words S K as capitals S K twenty three. No Words S K twenty three. So yeah, go ahead and use that and um, uh, make use of some wonderful a wonderful book that uh, that Sophie has put out there. Um, right back to the episode. Let's talk about a piece that's called When Will These Wings Become Cages, which I'm I'm fascinated to know what's behind the title, let alone the, the piece of art. Um, but to describe it, it is a swirl of colour um, with Bible references all over the place. Um, I don't mean this in an offensive way. It reminds me of a school um, uh, exercise book that's been doodled on throughout the year um and just things piled on there's squares in there which is a classic doodling thing isn't it um and circles and it looks like a some sort of road or river um there is so much going on uh there full of bible and yet feeling incredibly chaotic um yes okay tell us what that is about
1: sure there's a lot of symbolism going on in this one um but yeah, you're right, it's a swirl of colour and it feels like both life, death and confusion and a road coming through. You're right. And then what I did was I wrote all over the piece. I wrote the names of the books of the Bible and then I just kept, uh, because this is digitally done, I kept just piling them on top of each other. So it's kind of always crowding out the picture. Um, And the idea of that is, again, it's to do with church hurt and grief and the fact that we that we are given when we're given the words of life from God the bible when we understand it when the holy spirit opens our hearts it feels like we're given wings we're suddenly seeing the world as we're supposed to for the first time and we feel free you know there's that wonderful sense of when you start reading a bible passage and it opens up something about life and you're just like yes of course um but then, many of us will have found, who have been in churches for a long time, that those same words of freedom can be wielded by others to cage us. They're wielded mm. to keep us silent. They're wielded to stop us from speaking out about bad practice that we see, mm. or from being a particular type of person, like too much, too whatever. So the same words of life suddenly are put around us to keep us confined. Where so often I've been mulling on this that churches, um, rather than unity around the gospel, which we absolutely want, they a lot of the time they want uniformity. They want people to all act and be and look and respond in the same way because it's easier that way. People are more controllable that way. It's less messy. But sadly, we're humans and we don't work like that. And also, wonderfully, we're humans and don't work like that. You know, we're diverse um, and have diverse reactions. So, yeah, so this one's just about how the words of freedom and life and love from the Bible can be used and weaponized to cage us. Mm. And that is the most painful thing about if you've experienced church hurt, because these words that you've heard and that meant so much and are true you feel Mm. a kind of aversion to them because you've heard them used Mm. to silence you and it feels Mm. very painful so that's what I that's what I found a lot and it's the same with certain bible songs and things uh, that I've sung in previous places of worship I no longer can sing them currently because it's yeah. just too painful. Yeah. And it yeah, we, brings we, back.
0: We had the exact same experience coming out. And you know that the words are true and you know that yes. they're good, but they've been used mm. in such a way that you its so hard to hear them. And it's so confusing because you're going, yeah. I, I kind of know that's true, yes. but is it because they've been used in this way or by this person? And right. it's so confusing. Um, right. Uh, yeah.
1: It's. Yeah. That's I think that's at the heart of like church hurt and spiritual abuse is that's why it's so damaging because it confuses our sense of relationship with God. Um, it becomes mixed up and entangled somehow, and so you have to start untangling what is just you know sinful human responses and, and what is truth. Uh, in the sense of what God's saying to me. And it's, it's very confusing. And when you're mm. feeling vulnerable and in the midst of grief, it feels almost impossible to do. Mm. Um, I found continuing to go to church, um, to a new church, even difficult. It felt yeah. like re-traumatising every time I went. Yeah. But I knew that I needed to keep pushing in and for my kids' sake to keep that consistency because I know these words are true, but I've just got to, I've got to try and disentangle them. From the
0: weights. Yes. Weight. yep. Yeah. Again, very, very similar experience. And it 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 um, it made it made me understand people who deconstruct who are going through a deconstruction of mm-hmm. of their faith because of experiences like this. And some people get very twitchy about deconstruction. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> now, I think a, a, a healthy deconstruction will lead to a reconstruction. Uh, but like you say another yeah. word for that is disentanglement you're trying to pick out okay what what was misused and what is true mm. and and that just takes time and for a while it might seem like you're kind of walking away a bit but what you're trying to do is get back mm. I think that's what a lot of people are trying to do right. They're just trying to get back to the truth but it's become so messed up right that it's gonna take mm. a lot of time and just having some patience with people who are going through mm. that. And and again, as, right. you, as you should with anybody suffering grief, just sit with them. Um, yes. Hear them out. People
1: need such gentleness. They need such gentleness um, in these moments. Um, and I think people can often be a little twitchy. Uh, I often find that I really vibe with a lot of deconstructionists because I find that we're asking the same questions now we might end up at different conclusions ultimately which is you know why some mm-hmm. people deconstruct the whole way and some people just an un- unentangle and then find their way yeah um by grace but i i appreciate and understand the questions they're asking and why they're asking mm-hmm. them having seen what they've seen so yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just no, I'd rather people were honest and ask the questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Jesus seemed happy with people asking questions as well. So <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned one of the things of how the words uh, of the Bible are misused to cage us is that. Uh they can stop people speaking. And I think that's a particular thing um that's used against women. Um in mm. a lot of my experience and your experience too. Um and <laughs> one of your pieces is called I Am Speaking. Um I don't mm. know any more of the story behind it than that. I but I presume mm. it's to do with that kind of thing. Is that right?
1: Yeah yeah again this one kind of sprang out almost unbidden uh it just kind of I had a lot of emotion built up and I was in that place that most creatives will recognize where you just suddenly have an absolute compulsion something needs to come out now and <laughs> you just get to that place you're like oh it's ready something has to come out on page or in other ways so I just started um playing around adding color and yeah this piece came out and it kind of means it kind of means a few things really um some of it it kind of it reminded me of the the section in Isaiah, which is about um when god's voice he's listening for God's voice, and the the storm passes and you know and then the still small voice happens, and so you know this storm is swirling, but God actually comes in this like whisper um and so kind of some of that imagery was feeding into this piece but also just my own sense of wanting to be heard feeling like there had been very deliberate attempts to silence me and i felt just very compelled to keep speaking i felt like that was something i needed to keep doing amount of messages I receive from people uh, when I share my artwork, sharing with me their own stories of church hurt, loss and grief made me realise that there is need for people to hold space online for people going through this and it is important that even though it makes me feel kind of vulnerable that I'm actually going to share that Mm. because I just think it's important for people to feel free that you can speak. This is your story and you don't have to keep quiet. You don't have to share it with anybody either, but it is still your story and mm. people cannot silence or delegitimize something that has happened to you. So you are free to speak it out and you are free to share it in, however, however you want to and to feel free to do so. Um, yeah I've talked about this a lot with my therapist Mm. as well just about feeling free to kind of speak out the things that happen um yes
0: well let's have a bit more of your spoken word um you've got something Mm. you wanted to share I don't know any more about it than that
1: (laughs) this is a piece I wrote um which is uh Old fears, new spaces. This is about having left one church and trying to join another. I am a woman of untold wounds. I cannot speak or move too soon for fear that the bleeding will rush out unbidden, cause an unwanted scene and uncover the hidden scars and cuts still pulsating with blood. Hot tears in my eyes, just waiting to flood, in shameful fecundity, exposing the absolute state of me. Talk of God's love makes my chest heave with sobs when I compare the distance, measure the odds, of the bride ever showing that fullness of grace. Recalling each time I was slapped in the face by the people I trusted to stand by my side. And each time it happened, a part of me died, and so now I sit tight in this new family of strangers, try to keep it light while I'm scanning for dangers, withdrawn in solitude from the slinging of mud, as I look at the one come by water and blood, who testifies truth, it was gentle and lowly tenderly bringing the ones who are slowly emerging from pain that was caused by his bride. His wounds are still weeping from his hands, feet and side. And his blood covers my blood, my trauma and pain. And I beg and I plead, God, please never again. Don't let them hurt me. And these last fragments of faith, I feel so precarious, so deeply unsafe and i take my seat receive bread and the wine see my scars face my fears and whisper maybe this time
0: mm-hmm. oh. thank you that was um ah oh, beautiful and so so honest um can relate to much of that um mm. and uh, and as you're speaking it it reminded me of another piece that i um I'd wanted to speak to you about um which is it's a very bold piece it has ptsd mm. written across it um mm-hmm. splashes of blood um yellows blacks greens and the T of the PTSD is a crucifix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called a parting gift.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is
0: very striking title. Again, you're good at titles. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a lot going on. And from your spoken word piece just then, I, I think can understand a lot of it. Um uh, and maybe that just speaks for itself, but um, could you tell us a little bit more about, yeah, a parting gift?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it speaks for itself when people look at it. It's quite a provocative piece, I feel. It's not comfortable at all. It makes you feel quite deeply uncomfortable to look at it. It feels a little dangerous, perhaps. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, I think it's true... And I think it's an uncomfortable fact of what a lot of people have experienced within any kind of church hurt, church trauma, church church abuse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it is the idea that so many of us are left with post-traumatic stress disorders. We're left with very strong bodily reactions to hearing certain songs or seeing certain buildings. Uh, hearing certain people's names Uh, and it's so difficult because again it's that entanglement of the spiritual with it that it's not just Mm -hmm. oh that person hurt my feelings it was like within the family of God it's all wrapped up in um who I you know who I believe God is and yet what has happened and so it's just that whole idea of like Jesus being kind of entwined in this sense of ptsd Mm. um and trying to kind of Mm. understand but also the kind of idea that jesus more than anybody also knew what it was to be completely betrayed and left and misunderstood and physically hurt you know so it's it's both those things both Mm. um It's, you know, both that sense of discomfort, thinking, how can the the bride of Christ, how can the church, how can we do this to each other? Um, But also, Jesus experienced this too, so, of course, he understands too. And it's a huge swirl Mm. of colour and chaos, because that's literally what it feels like. It's very hard to intellectualise anything when you're in it. It's just Mm. a massive emotion. So, yeah, that's what that piece is about. Mm. And that just felt like a parting gift. Many of us have that parting gift as we leave churches or um, worship spaces. Yeah. It's like what we're left with to mull over. Wow.
0: Yes. Um, working through John at the moment for camp in the summer and he came to that, which was mm. his own. His own did not receive him. Mm. Um, right. And yeah, and then the abandonment at Gethsemane and so so mm. the yeah jesus understanding it that there's mm. again there's 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 hope that there's one mm. who fully understands it but not only one who sympathizes um with with us and our struggles and our weaknesses but actually has gone through it and shows that there's mm. something the other side as well
1: yeah so it's it's both those things that there's kind of in the picture it's both the ugliness of trauma being done in jesus name Mm. but also the fact Mm. that jesus also had this done to him so he knows
0: Mm. yes the irony of that Mm. um wow um let's finish on a brighter piece um let me just find it um uh you said it comes uh, it came in a lighter space um but it was still mm-hmm. you're working through what went wrong um mm. i don't know if it has a title or is the title just the words that's on it which we should probably describe. oh the
1: title is just the words
0: okay so it says generous liberty um but mm. you haven't fitted that onto one line or even two lines no nope. you fitted it onto nope. four lines so gen "Erus," t Um, And there's bright greens and purple. Green seems to come up in each of your, pretty much all of your pictures. There's a dash of green. Mm. Is that coincidence or is that, is there something, I'm intrigued by that.
1: I mean, I think I'm probably just, I'm just very drawn to certain colours. And I think it's probably, I feel like I go through phases or, (laughs) It, I think saying eras makes me sound a little pretentious. Like, I'm in my blue era right now, like Picasso. But but I think sometimes I just go through phases where I'm just really drawn to certain colours, which, I don't know, they okay. just seem to kind of speak to me and be the right colour to express this particular mm. emotion. So, yeah.
0: OK, well, this is very green. um, With some blue mm. very and bright. purple. Or pink. Very bright. Um, yeah, it's kind of like... Okay. A yeah, t- 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 explain it, please. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So again, I've done this one and it's quite a light-hearted style. It's a lot lighter than the others. Again, it's kind of, um, I think, borrowing from the kind of uh, David Trigley style um, in the way I've divided the words up on the page. Um, I quite like that. I quite like the lightness of it. It doesn't feel too serious and yet it feels you know it's got a very bold message so as I've been mulling over that I think so much what we need in the church and as Christians to each other is generous liberty Mm. just those words have just been in my mind for a while Um, we see so much on the internet so much polarization of these kind of issues and so many of them are just secondary they just Mm. don't matter Um, And in my own experience, I've, you know, been uh, judged or criticised for things that are just a matter of preference. You know, they're really not, you know, Mm. gospel issues. So um, I think we just need to be able to understand what is preference? What is um, what can we just be generous to each other with and be like, oh, well, I don't. That's not really the way I'm kind of I'm not raising my kids exactly like that, but that's okay because you have your specific kids with their needs, so I'm sure you know what you know you're doing. And we're all just kind of in this together as parents, we're all praying like mad and just hoping for the best in a lot of You know, there There is, you know, there's no guaranteed outcomes. You can't just go, well, do XYZ and this will happen. Um so but Again, I think people can get very hung up on you have to raise your children this way or church has to be this way. You Mm. have to do these certain things or has to be this style or you have to look like this to be, you know, taken seriously as a Christian. You have to like, you know, obviously, (laughs) Uh, they're just like, you have to look a particular way. Um, And just so much of it is just nonsense. And we need to just be able to be like, no, it doesn't matter. Mm. Isn't that the beauty of like, the diversity of 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 the church that we can be united around the things that really matter around the gospel and the centrality of that but so much yeah. of this other stuff yeah let it go <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah i think so many conflicts could be avoided if people could just if we could just be generous and be like well i wouldn't choose that i don't really like that but in the spirit of christian liberty go yeah. for it because you know You've prayed about it, and that's the way you're going to be doing that in your household and yeah. it's It's not a a moral issue or anything like that. it's just a different perspective on a secondary issue yeah so yeah, yeah.
0: that was a huge thing for me um coming out of the particular church network that I did um which yes, yes. had so much i mean there was so much talk of grace and yet.
2: Mm. so much
0: uniformity um, demanded Mm. and I've just I found myself coming out of that just yeah being so much more open to other people's ways of doing things Mm. Um, Mm. and going God probably hasn't made a mistake in letting his church be so diverse and different and uh, you know and Mm. it's not denying truth and like you say uh, morality that the Bible tells us you know there's there are things that are right and wrong um I was in right or wrong mm-hmm. um but there are so many things that whatever <laughs> it's just totally your, your and so
1: theory. and so much of it is just wrapped up in our kind of a western white way of viewing things, you know um nice. I was talking to a friend uh he lives in a different part of the world and She was saying that just none of these questions come up for us because, like, it's just a completely different culture. It doesn't doesn't really matter to the people we're living around. And it's a bit weird to come back to the UK and everyone's having a bit, ooh, about a fuss about something or other. She was like, no one's talking about that in this part of the world. So, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, I think that's just a Western thing. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting how much we can get so hung up on our culture and claim it to be biblical when it's actually Mm -hmm. just preference yeah Yeah, and it's important to again be generous with each other on that
0: Mm. yeah so well thank you so much sophie um where can people find what you do
1: well my website is www.perishandfade.com so uh and that is my Instagram handle as well, Perish and Fade. Um, that's based on the One verse. I'm talking about our um, inheritance that will never spoil, perish or fade. Um, and that's my like eternal inheritance. But obviously my artwork, it totally will. You leave it out in the rain, it's gone in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Soggy mess. <laughs> but the things that matter, okay. you know, that's, that's not going anywhere. Right. So that's, yeah, at Perish and Fade is Instagram. Um, so, yeah, you can find me and my artwork there
0: brilliant well thank you again and um well i'm sure i'll speak to you soon and um i hope everybody's enjoyed yes this episode of the podcast we're going to play out with a song of mine called good night to the old year and i think this uh, particularly fits with what i've been chatting with sophie about especially where she said earlier on that um that because of the hope we can keep digging And we can keep digging into uh, into the darkness, into the struggle, into the grief, um, because we know that it is not the end. I think she said we don't need to fear that place of darkness and grief because that is not the end. And uh, that's what this particular song is about. This is called Good Night to the Old Year.
2: in but i know it's in the darkness that the stars will shine again so good night No.
0: Michael here again, Uh, I wanted to let you know about this week's big giveaway. We have three copies of Catherine Campbell's Broken Works Best book to give away, thanks to ten of those. Um, And this is uh, a little bit about the book. Few of us are prepared to meet the unexpected blow of suffering head on, even though it is a part of life's package. Catherine Campbell has personally walked the path of the brokenhearted. She shares with us how pain shapes our faith and develops a deep trust in the God who can transform what is broken in our lives. Using God's word, illustrated by moving true life stories, Catherine explores the difficult questions to enable us to find help for our struggling hearts. That fits so well with those things that we've been chatting about um, through this episode. Uh, So if you want to get your hand on a free copy of that, uh, we've got three to give away. Simply share this podcast on social media, tag at Michael J. Tinker. Maybe say something about why you're enjoying the podcast to encourage other people to listen to it. And you'll be entered into the draw. And we'll announce the winners ahead of episode seven. And then there will be another competition for episode seven and eight. So make sure you tune in to find out what you could be winning. So go ahead, share it right now. Tell all of your friends about the podcast. And um, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to When There Are No Words. Remember, you can support the show on ACAST+, Plus, where you'll get ad-free listening, bonus episodes and other gifts. See you next time.